Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna feel, we feel no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is the Faith Radio Network. It's hour two if you missed hour one. Go back and grab the podcast later today at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you get your podcast. You should subscribe to this one. One of the things you'll get uh, are the show notes. Like everything we talk about is uh, linked to in the podcast post. So if you want to have access to all of the articles that we talk about here on the show, they are always linked in the daily show notes um, everywhere the podcast is posted. So that's kind of cool. I have curated um, this opening section this morning from the daily briefing at the Institute for Global Engagement. Because sometimes, you know, people put uh, things together. They push them out four or five in the morning. I read them and I think to myself, I really can't do any better than that. So here you go. Attorney uh, General Merrick Garland said on Thursday that the Justice Department had filed a motion to unseal the search warrant and the property receipt for the search the FBI agents conducted on Monday at the home of former President Donald Trump um, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida. Um, Merrick Garland said, I personally approved the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Um, So those those, um, documents are now available in terms of um, the the search warrant. Here is... um, Part of what it says, so classified documents relating to nuclear weapons were among the items that FBI agents sought in a search of former President Donald Trump's Florida residence on Monday, according to people familiar with the investigation. And late Thursday night, Trump said on social media he agreed um, that the document should be made public. And so that is in process. I think that part of the criticism that you see out there is the language of, you know, are we in a banana republic? Um, you're going to hear people saying that. People have already said that. Um, notable people have said, you know, you know, here we are in a third world banana republic. Um, I think it's really important. I mean, I mean language matters. Word matters. Images matter. Um, people in banana republics, you know, that's that's just horrible slang for um forms of government that we don't respect, um, that are disorganized, that are disruptive, that do not benefit people. In a banana republic, you don't need permission from anybody, um, certainly not the Justice Department, to uh, to, so, to show up and, um, and tear into somebody's personal property, um, to invent evidence, to torture people, to extract confessions, um, to family, uh, to threaten family members um, of those who are on trial. That's what happens in banana republics. We don't live in a banana republic. Is it unprecedented and, you know, potentially a great overreach by the Justice Department? Yes, but we're not a banana republic. So let's be careful the words we use. Let's certainly be careful the words we repeat. Um, and and malice um, is not helpful. Ignorance is not helpful. Um, truth matters. And so let's wait for incontrovertible truth before we um, speculate. All right. So that's going to be my encouragement on that front this morning. One more thing. Um, When, you know, when our time on earth is done, 
and people are talking about us, what are they going to say? Political leaders on Thursday honored Republican U.S. Representative um, Jackie Walorski of Indiana. Um, she was a determined advocate for her beliefs. Her funeral was held. Um, she died in a car accident on a highway with three other people last week. Numerous members of Congress were among several hundred people um, who mourned her death. It was a two-hour service at the Granger Community Church um, near her home in, in uh, northern Indiana. Republican House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy spoke about uh, Walorski's work as a Christian missionary in Romania with her husband as the director of a local humane society and as a television news reporter before entering politics. Um, McCarthy said, I'm telling you the truth. Jackie never had a job. She always had a purpose and lived on a mission. She lived her life on mission for God. Um, So. I think it's important for us to think about, like, you know, am I living my life on mission for God? I mean, or did, do I just have a job? Um, how is it that your job today could be the living out of your commission, the Great Commission, as a commissionary, advancing the kingdom of God always and always? What might that look like that others might say of us? She lived on mission and on purpose. All right, we're going to um, talk with Paul Acey from Focus on the Families Plugged In at what's going on um, in the world of media, all things culture, up next here on Mornings with Carmen. is joining us today from Focus on the Families Plugged In. You can find the reviews we're discussing and lots of other great stuff, including um, don't don't miss the um, the blog on uh, on Plugged In. Um, we're going to talk about it in just a moment, but don't don't miss the blog at PluggedIn.com. Paul, um, let's talk about some movie reviews today. Tell us a little bit about 13, the musical. That that just on the face of it sounds bad. <laughs> You know what it feels like, actually. When I was watching it, it felt like a little like High School Musical. It felt like one of those Disney musicals uh, that that just feature a lot of young kids, some fairly peppy music. Uh, and this one was kind of on point, right? It's a it's a PG movie. Uh, has some nice messages. It's about this guy named Evan who wanted to throw this massive bar, bar mitzvah in his home city of New York, uh, but then his parents get divorced and his mother drags him into this small town in Indiana, where, of course, he doesn't know anybody. They're the only Jewish people there. He still wants to have this amazing var mitzvah, but he doesn't know anybody, so he desperately tries to make friends. And the movie is really about all the mistakes he makes while trying to make those friends. Uh, It has some really nice messages about family, about priorities, and especially about learning from your mistakes. Uh, but it does have some issues here and there. Uh, there was there was a casting call for a non-binary actor to to play one of the characters, uh, and that did happen. You wouldn't really notice it if you just watch, uh, just really loosely. But but it's there. Uh, you do have a little bit of 
swearing, some misuses of God's name, um, and there's just a little bit of a dismissive attitude toward flyover country. This was based on a Broadway musical, so it's still very New York-centric, right? So they they make a few jokes about this town of in, in, in Indiana being so religious and, and a little bit backward. Nothing too uh, vicious, but it's there. So those are some things that folks who check out this movie might want to be aware of. All right. Tell us about Summering. Summering is a really interesting movie. It's a it's a little indie movie, and, and probably the shorthand would be, if you remember the movie, the 1986 movie Stand By Me, uh, mm-hmm. R-rated, these four boys find this dead body. It's sort of this, this journey, this coming-of-age journey. This is sort of the, the female version of this. It, it actually features four 11-year-olds who also discover a body and are determined to find out who this person is. Uh, Of course, the main crux of the story isn't necessarily the dead body at all, although that's a huge important part of it, but it's really about another death, and that's the death of childhood. These kids, they're on the verge of going to middle school, and so they're dealing with the idea that everything's going to change, potentially including their friendship. it, because it's it's a PG-13 movie, so you have some some problematic elements. Obviously, you have a dead body in the mix, and that dead body doesn't look very nice. Uh, there's some crude humor. There's some issues there as well. Uh, but it really is a, a nice movie in a lot of ways about friendship, about growing up. Uh, and, and sometimes about dealing with the trauma in your own life, uh, because a lot of these kids are dealing with that. So it's a little bit edgy, uh, definitely edgier than, than say, uh, 13, the musical or on Paramount plus secret headquarters, but it does, uh, it does have some really nice, uh, ruminations about growing up. All right. There is a review of secret headquarters that Paul just referred to. There is a review of secret headquarters posted at plugged in. Dot com. You want to do that one or you want to do a review of The Fall? Oh, just man. Fall. There is no the in front of it. There is just no fall. fall. It, it would be mm-hmm. sort of an interesting transition to go from summering to fall, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but this, I'll, I'll, I will mention fall just because it kind of terrifies me. It's about these two women who climb up this 2,000-foot uh, tower. Uh, to deal with one of the woman's sense of grief. Her husband was a big climber and he fell to his death. So to get over that, of course, they walk, they climb up this 2,000-foot tower. It is terrifying. And frankly, it just barely made a PG-13 rating. Uh, this It has some, some language issues. Uh, definitely, there's some gore that you're going to have to deal with. And obviously, for, for someone who's a little bit scared of heights like I am, it's kind of terrifying so uh be warned about that it's a it definitely uh goes to new heights physically but maybe not in in really a a movie telling sort of experience Mm -hmm. well let me just say that in terms of processing through your grief um if you're listening right now and you're in a season of grief let me just encourage you um walk through the valley of the shadow of the death uh, of the shadow of death with the good shepherd invite christian believers um, to walk alongside you, um, talk with them about what you're feeling, um, and just recognize that God is the one who wants to tend tenderly and um, and shine the light of the gospel even to, into the darkest of those places and moments. Um, Paul Acey and I uh, will be right back. I'm going to ask him a little bit, um, a little bit about what is going on in Sims 
Sims is a game that apparently now has abortion mode. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All right, if you've ever played Sims, then you know uh, that having an abortion is actually not a part of this simulation game. But um, there is a modification of the game um, that was released in 2018 that's now been downloaded more than a quarter of a million times um, Paul Acey, talk with us about games, gaming, and the rise of abortion modification in um, in online gaming. It's a kind of a crazy trend, and obviously, you know, it, from my experience as a gamer, you know, you you sit down and you play a game to have fun. Uh, to retreat from maybe the the real world problems that we deal with. The Sims has always been a different sort of game and that it means to take you into quote unquote a real world. You get married, you have kids, you buy houses, you dress up. You know, so you have these realistic elements. Apparently, some people have really wanted this to be uh, more realistic. And so they brought in this abortion add-on. The fact that it has been downloaded 250,000 times does say something about the culture that we live in. Um, It's... (laughs) One thing that I think about, though, as I process this, is that it, it brings home, oddly enough just sort of the the real tragedy that abortion is you know i think that that sometimes when we we deal with the issue of abortion in the real world obviously there's some real world pressures in that direction when you're playing the sims uh you know you know what is going to come as as part of this pregnancy you know that there's a baby on the way you know that it's a joyous thing for for most people who play the game um so to to terminate even that virtual baby i think brings a sense of sadness in in and why? Uh, that's that's kind of what I think of when I when I think about this particular mod. Uh, I don't know of 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 too many of the two hundred fifty thousand people who who downloaded it. I wonder how many people really enjoy that aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a it's a cultural commentary as much as anything else, and it it's certainly worthy of um, of consideration and conversation with particularly young people, as they are exploring the games that they might engage in or play. Like, what's going on in that game? What are the options? Um, I think about, I, you know, I think about the board game, the game of life. And mm-hmm. um, I remember a row, you know, related to, um, you know, the, the, the game of life doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't allow for same-sex marriage. Okay, well, just, I mean, if that's like something that is really the issue for you, then just pick up 
another pink peg or another blue peg. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, I haven't seen it yet, Paul, but I suppose that for Hasbro, the, uh, the question is coming, you know, why in the game of life, you know, because babies just come right in, in, in that particular, um, board game, you know, I suspect that the conversation about abortion is going to be raised um, in the same mm-hmm. way that it's been raised, you know, by people who want abortion, ab- an abortion modification in something like Sims. Yeah. Um, and let's, I, yeah, go ahead. And I do think that, that, that one of the reasons why they did this is to, to sort of destigmatize abortion. Um, I think that we need to reach out to, to people who have had abortions and, and love them as best as we can. But, but honestly, I think the process, the process because of the stakes involved should be stigmatized, right? I think that, that, that it's a very, very, it's, it's, it's just a tragedy when it happens. Um, and I think that, that, that to destigmatize it in our culture is probably a mistake. Um, I don't know what a Finsta is, so I'm going to have you tell me um, about that. But of Finstas and online personas, do you even like the person you're pretending to be online? This is an <laughs> Emily Clark blog at pluggedin.com. Um, I suspect, I think I know what a Finsta is, but what's a Finsta? You bet. It is a fake Instagram account, essentially. Uh, People go out and they create these fake social media accounts to present themselves in different ways to different audiences. Oftentimes, it's a way the kids can hide their real activities from their parents. They might create a fake uh, Instagram account that they give to their parents, and they use an entirely different one for their friends. Uh, Emily's blog, which I think was really fantastic, deals with a different aspect aspect of it. And it's really about social media itself. Uh, She watched this R-rated movie. She reviewed it for us in this movie called Not Okay, uh, which was about this woman who pretends that she's gone to Paris. Unfortunately, there's a huge uh, terrorist attack that happens there. And so she has to pretend that she was in the middle of that terrorist attack with obviously some very, very serious consequences. Um, But it reminded Emily, I think, that we, most of us, can fake ourselves quite a bit on social media. We become not ourselves, but we become our brands. Uh, we we work really hard to make the perfect photo. We work really hard to send the, the most perfect update. We try to make our lives perfect. And Emily, I think, was just expressing her, her tiredness of it all. Um, and I think she has a really good point. When, when you talk about social media, what was it originally designed to do? To help us connect with each other. But when you're connecting with a bunch of fake people, are you really making any connections at all? And uh, I think that Emily would argue no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if Emily has checked out um, this new app that's on the rise called Be Real. Um, and maybe maybe she would um, check that out and, and review it for all of us. Um, it's apparently like you can you can only use it once a day and you have to um, you sort of have to answer the ping within like two minutes of receiving it. So let's say you're on Be Real um, and, and, and it takes a real picture in real time of you. So the camera facing you and the camera facing away from you. So it's two pictures. Um, you know, sort of the, the picture of where you are, what you're seeing, and then the picture of you seeing what you're seeing. Um, and that gets posted and you can't change it. You can't, there's no filters. There's no, you can't manipulate the image. If you try to take a second one, um, everybody that's, uh, that's on your reel and be real, um, knows it. So, um, and because you can only do it once a day, students seem to really be loving it. Like it, mm-hmm. it is, a. Uh, 
it, it is on the rise among uh, young people. So be interested to know what Emily um, yeah. thinks about about be real. We like I'd her, love- by the way. We, we would like to fan. <laughs> we would like to fan the flame of uh, of Emily Clark. Yeah, she is a great writer. We really enjoy everything that she does. And and yeah. and just to just to riff off of what you just said, you know, I think that that that. One of the things that that those users of Be Real, I think, are are detecting is just that desire for intimacy, right? Because real connection, real intimacy involves mess. I think that Mm -hmm. we all have friends who we have traveled through some really dark, complex, messy times with. Those are inherently our best friends. Um, And yes, we're invited into those moments when those people are close to us, but I think those moments also help us become closer. Um, And so as as Christians, as people, I don't think that we should ignore the mess, even even on social media. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I 100% agree. Paul, as always, thank you so much for joining us. That's Paul AC. You can find him at PluggedIn.com. Listening to Mornings with Carmen, I'm Carmen LeBurge. We're going to hear now from our friend John Stone Street at the Colson Center with Breakpoint. I'm going to challenge us to just um, consider that for just a moment. What do you need to say in the present moment to someone, just in case a moment from now, all the past you've shared is no longer remembered? Are there, are there some things you need to say or do in the present to affect the future? We're going to talk with um, Angela Franey next. You are well aware of what's happening um, at pregnancy centers across the country. Um, Angela Franey is the um, director of, um, of a pregnancy center in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, that was attacked recently. This particular incident followed acts of vandalism against three other pro-life clinics in St. Paul, Minneapolis, and Northfield uh, that took place in recent weeks. At the Northfield Women's Clinic um, that was vandalized uh, about a week ago, the front window was smashed. The words fake clinic, not safe, were spray painted on the building. The vandalism in Minnesota uh, is just a fraction of the attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers across the country since um, the leak of the Supreme Court uh, decision related to the Dobbs case and then the ruling in that case itself. So... Within a week of uh, the leak, there were five pregnancy centers attacked. Dozens more have been targeted since then, more than uh, 50 across the country at this point. And um, and so we thought, you know what, we want to talk um, with Angela from the Abria Pregnancy Resource Center. We want to talk with her about their experience, what's going on. What is a pregnancy center? I mean, because there's a lot of information out there and some of it's not true. Um, what what's really going on in pregnancy centers, and and how can we pray for them, and how can we help? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
Abria Pregnancy Resources offers completely confidential and free of charge services to women facing unexpected pregnancy. You can find Abria at Abria, A-B-R-I-A dot O-R-G. Joining us now, Abria's Executive Director, Angela Franey. Angela, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here with you. Well, um, I, I really, I want to jump to the end, which is when I'm going to say, how can we pray for you and can we pray for you? So just know that that's my heart and where we're headed. Tell us, um, what is Abria for people who don't know what a pregnancy resource center is? What is Abria and what's your role there? That's a wonderful question. Actually, there's a lot of misconceptions about what we do and what other pregnancy resource centers or crisis pregnancy centers do. There actually is different levels of um, service. For instance, a crisis pregnancy center might offer just education. A pregnancy resource center offers a limited amount of medical services as well as education and information. A women's center might offer even more services. Now we are called Abria Pregnancy Resource Center simply so that people understand in our name some of what we do, but we actually offer many more services than what our name implies. At Abria Pregnancy Resources, we offer a safe, non-judgmental environment for women, teens, and couples facing unexpected pregnancy and sexual health issues. Specifically, we offer accurate medical services as well as personal support services, all free of charge, so that a person can be empowered to choose life. Now, we never force anyone or tell them what to do. We simply provide them with all the positive alternatives. We uh, provide them with information. We provide them with the medical services that they need to make a fully informed decision. The choice is always theirs. And we uh, treat all of our clients with the highest respect. And um, we offer the highest medical standards and personal support services possible so that they can make that informed decision. So, Angela, we might um, we might hear a um, a politician, a ho- a high profile person um, say some things that are um, that, that would describe a a pregnancy center or a crisis pregnancy center in very different ways, um, suggesting that they disseminate misinformation. Um, it, what what happens when a person um, arrives at Abria. What are the kinds of conversations that take place? What are the kinds of things that she might be looking for? Well, that's an interesting observation because we have been fighting those stereotypes that are out mm-hmm. there for actually many years. The stereotypes of the the few women in the basement of a church pointing the fingers at people and saying, shame on you and all that kind of stuff. Those are stereotypes that simply are not true. And at Abria, women might come in, they're nervous, um, maybe fearful of what they might find. But when you open the door and walk in, you see friendly faces. You see people who treat you with the utmost respect and compassion. Um, When they come in, they might have a pregnancy test and uh, they may also be offered a limited OB uh, 
ultrasound. Now what that ultrasound does is it looks for gestational age. It looks for viability. Is it a, a, a live pregnancy? And it also looks for where it might be placed. Is it within the uterus or is it an eptopic pregnancy that would be at risk to the mother's health? So we provide that information as well as understanding all of their options. So we give them brochures and, and understanding of abortion so that they know exactly what would happen or what um, that abortion would be for them. We give them information about uh, parenting and we also give them information about adoption. Now, let me back up just a minute to the part about the information on abortion. We use information uh, from for Minnesota, from the Minnesota Department of Health that is certified accurate and medically accurate across the whole sedate. It's not something where, where we embellish the information or we change it or those kinds of things. We're very upfront with saying, these are your options. And we want women to know that they actually have options. Most women, unfortunately, because of our culture, they feel like they don't have any options, that abortion is their only option. And they feel like it's a magic pill. They're just going to take it and it's all going to go away. So we want them to make that informed decision. We want them to know all their options before they make that final choice. Yeah. One of the things that I've learned recently, Angela, is that, um, I mean, women who choose to um, to have a child, but know that they are not in a position to raise it um, and would like to, um, you know, have someone adopt their child. They actually now, in many cases, get to pick the parents like uh, that's pretty expert. That's just pretty extraordinary. So I agree with you. There's um, there's a lot of information that um, that folks don't have and a lot of false information out there. So thank you so much for helping us understand um, better what your particular pregnancy resource center is doing, um, Abria, and then what other varieties are out there as well in terms of women's clinics um, and on and on. Your clinic was recently targeted by people who um, disagree with and are upset by the Supreme Court's decision in the Dobbs case. Can you tell us what happened at Abria? Sure. Um, August 1st, which was a Monday, uh, I usually check my security cameras and that kind of stuff before I come to the office, just as the, a general protocol to check for safety before anyone enters the building, because the safety of my staff is of the utmost importance. So that morning, I actually had checked it the night before and hadn't checked it that morning, but I got there first around 730. And I saw this rock in the middle of the hallway and it looked very odd to me. I come in through the back door and I saw that rock down the hallway and wondered, what is that? And as I walked further towards the front of our building, then I realized what had happened. Someone had spray painted on the glass portion of our building um, in deep blood red color, uh, if abortions ain't safe, neither are you. <laughs> and they had taken a very large rock about the size of a softball and thrown it through the glass doors that actually went through both the outside and the inner glass door, hit a bookshelf that was there in our foyer area and then bounced down the hallway, which is where I found it that morning. 
So I uh, immediately made a few phone calls, called the police, called our um, board of directors, and uh, then all the insurance things and all that kind of stuff and began the, the cleanup. I did let my staff know right away and delayed their coming in. We were closed the rest of Monday just as a cleanup and got some boards in on those glass areas, scraped off all of the spray paint and that kind of thing. But we were open Tuesday morning to receive clients again. Mm. I know that, um, you know, even as you describe it, like, right, you had to of necessity, um, but you also were able to like you went into management mode, you, That's right. w- which is important. And I recognize the importance of that. I also recognized, you know, there's a feelings level to the conversation. Um, there's no question that there's a, a physical threat implied in the messaging um, that was spray painted on the building. So when we come back, can we have a little bit of a feelings conversation? Sure. Okay. We're going to continue our conversation with Angela Franey here in just a moment. She's the executive director of the Abrea Pregnancy Resource Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. And we're going to, um, we're going to have a feelings conversation. Um, I'm wondering how uh, Angela's feeling about the words that were spray painted um, on the front of their building. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Dozens of pro-life pregnancy centers across the country and some pro-life churches um, additionally have been targeted and vandalized. Um, The people working there threatened by those who are unhappy about the decision of the U.S. Supreme Court in the Dobbs case, which returns the question of abortion access to the states across the country. Abria is a pregnancy resource center, actually two of them. Uh, the Northside Clinic and the St. Paul Clinic um, in the Twin Cities area of Minnesota. Um, and they are they have been targeted as well. And um, we're talking with their executive director, Angela Franey. Angela, um, again, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing your story. Uh, I'm wondering how you feel because the um, the management mode that you had to go into is one thing, but the feelings... Um, the feelings eventually have the opportunity to present themselves. So I'm, I'm just wondering how you're feeling uh, about being threatened, your staff being threatened, your resource center being vandalized. Um, just just talk with us about how you're feeling. Yes, um, I think there's a lot of mixed emotions, actually. You know, whenever we face some kind of crisis or a threat of some kind, um, people can respond in a myriad of ways. Um, there's that I'm going to stand up and fight kind of thing. And there's also that, oh my goodness, I have to run from the situation and anything in between. I talked with my staff afterwards and we shared some different words like I felt violated or um, just that thought of, is it going to happen again? One staff member said she felt like she just got kicked in the gut um, so there's a lot of emotion and there is that question of what do we do 
now and how do we process that emotion and so as a staff we sat down and we prayed together we talked about things and i if i can i'd like to share just a few of the things that i was able to encourage them with first that thought of um people misunderstanding what we do and also that feeling of being attacked um we don't fight with weapons of this world in fact, the supernatural response of the Lord is, is so contradictory to all the things that's out there. Um, in Matthew 5, part of the Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And a little bit later in Matthew, it says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, for um, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than any other? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And then later in that same chapter, in the prayer that Jesus taught us, he said, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, some of that temptation is to be bitter or angry or to strike out or to recoil and hide. But Paul encourages us in Romans and he says, don't be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. And that's really our heart. We want to release people into the hands of the Lord by forgiveness. And by forgiving them, we're actually releasing ourselves to be able to continue the good things that God wants to do through us and in us. We want to overcome that evil with good, with compassion, with service, with a heart of forgiveness. And that's something that only God can really do in your heart. That's a supernatural thing. And so by surrendering to the Lord in that way, we really put all of these things in his hands and come under his protection and peace in a way that we never would be able to do that in our own selves. That's really a lot of the the battle and the struggle personally inside is finding that place of peace again after you've had that feeling of being violated or um, upset and angry. It's mm. giving that to God again and again and walking in his path of forgiveness. Mm. Oh, yeah, allowing him to heal. Um, thank you so That's much right. for that. Incredible, beautiful testimony. Um, Angela, you are, and pass this along to, you know, the others that you work with, but you are making the gospel visible, beautiful, and substantial. Like, you're making it real. You're a living demonstration of 
uh, of the redemptive, life-affirming gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, I want to say thank you. Um, And then can we pray for you? And and while we we pray for you, we're going to pray by extension for all those um, in your ministry, but also those across the country working in, um, in crisis pregnancy environments right now. Father, we come before you. you. Absolutely. Father, we come before you bearing up our sister, Angela. We bear her up as one among many whom you are using in such extraordinary and powerful ways in pro-life pregnancy centers and resource centers and, and women's health clinics across the country. Father, bless them. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon them to renew their strength. Pour out every spiritual resource that's necessary for the accomplishing of your will in and through their lives this day. Give them a measure of, of, of unequaled peace. And thank you, Father, for the way that you are endowing them to do the good work that you've prepared in advance for them to, go, to do. And it's so life-affirming. So, Father, continue to use them, multiply the resources available to them, and let them know they are not alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Angela. So. You're yeah, absolutely. You're not alone. Please let us know how we can um, continue to partner with you at Abria. Um, and thank you. And please thank your staff as well um, um, for the ministry. We genuinely appreciate it. Thank you. May God have all the glory. Amen. Amen. That's Angela Franey. You can find her and other incredible resources at abria, A-B-R-I-A dot O-R-G. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. I'm going to live where the green grass grows, watch my corn pop up in rows, every night be tucked in close to you. All right, in a Super fast and speedy Friday farm report. The birds and the squirrels are winning in the fight for the fruit. Yeah, I I think every grape is gone. That's okay. Um, They need to eat as well, right? Um, Conversations have begun about acquiring three steer calves to raise over the next year. The footers have been poured in two of the three houses that our adult kids are building down the street. Matthew embarked on his junior year of high school this year or this week. Eliana starts a new job tomorrow at Publix. And Jim is working feverishly to complete the three-story, what I now call wildlife observation, grandchild camping slash deer stand. Uh, he needs to finish it by the end of the month because, you know, otherwise the deer are going to smell it and see it. And that's going to be contrary to his good purpose <clears throat> in building it. We're also in the process of rearranging things in our home in uh, preparation for bringing a family from Ukraine uh, that's seeking to escape the war. So invite your prayers for us as we navigate the U.S. immigration process with them. That's what's going on with me. What's going on with you? You can let me know. Uh, You can either text me, 877-933-2484, or what would really help, what would even be more helpful, go to MyFaithRadio.com and share your Faith Radio story. I guess maybe you do that more easily by just calling the number. Call the number that's already in your phone for the text line, 877-933-2484. Press the number 2 and share your Faith Radio story. What's your testimony? Why do you listen? How has... Um, this program changed your life? How's it changed the way you think or the way you treat someone else or 
change the way you do something like what's been the real impact of listening we want to know so that we can then in turn share that with others in our fall fundraiser up in just a couple of weeks there you go that would be super helpful have a great weekend god bless thanks for listening to this podcast of mornings with carmen laburge from faith radio if you haven't you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through itunes or the google play music app that way you never miss an episode it's also available anytime at myfaithradio.com